Well, thank you again for choosing to worship with us this morning, and thank you to all of our youth and to Leanne for helping lead us in the service today. I have a question for you to get us started, and I want you to be honest, okay? This is a safe space. We're among friends. So how many of you have already started decorating for Christmas? Okay. All right, I see, a, I see some hands. I won't, I won't like point you out because it seems people are a little scared to raise their hands. But okay, how many of you have started buying Christmas presents for people? Okay, all right, all right. Well, it hit me that this is really the last week that is kind of standalone before things really take off and we move and we don't stop until January. I mean, think about it. Next Sunday is November 21st, the last Sunday in our Christian calendar year, Reign of Christ Sunday. We start over each year with Advent, which is November 28th. But then we have four weeks of Advent leading us to Christmas Eve, and then it's Christmas Day, and then it's Christmas and Epiphany, and all of a sudden it's 2022, and we don't know where the time has gone. I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. I love Thanksgiving and Christmas, getting together with family, all of the lights and decorations and the, fam the food that we have around the holidays. There just seems to be something special in the air for these two holidays. But I have to say, accompanying the excitement and joy I feel is also some stress and anxiety because I have this deep, this deep-seated fear that my house needs to be perfect when my family comes over. It needs to be clean. We need to have the perfect food that everyone likes. We need to make sure everyone has something that they like. And I want to buy gifts for people, but I don't just want to buy anything. I don't just want to do something that they could get anywhere else. I want it to be meaningful and thought out for each individual person so that they will know that I love them through that gift. You know, there are so many factors that go into planning for these holidays. And so because of that, because there are so many things layered on top, the expectations and the traditions, it can lead us to feeling some stress leading up to something that should be really special and a set-apart time that only happens once each year. When you become an adult, you see that all of the expectations and traditions to make the magic happen, you know, it takes a lot of planning and logistics. You can't just wake up on Christmas morning anymore and expect to see that everything is as it should be. So how do we find the balance? We're in this last week. We have to set our intentions now because if we don't, we will get kind of run over by the holidays that are coming up. So how can we toe the line between doing what needs to be done in order to be prepared and ready for the holidays, but not so much that we overlook God in our midst and the family and loved ones that we will be surrounded by? Well, our gospel reading this morning is pretty familiar. It's about two women named Mary and Martha who are struggling to find that in-between. So hear now these words from Luke chapter 10, and I'll invite you to stand if you're able. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, this incident takes place at the beginning of a long travel narrative in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem and instructs those who would like to follow him to make this journey a priority. So he sends the 70 ahead with no provisions about where they're supposed to stay or what they're supposed to eat, but Jesus tells them to trust that people will take care of them, to lean on the hospitality of strangers. Immediately preceding this stop at Martha's home, Jesus tells a story about a man on a journey who is beaten and left to die. He is saved by an unexpected, merciful neighbor, the Good Samaritan. And this confirms that the journey to Jerusalem is one that can be dangerous and treacherous, and that the disciples might welcome the compassion of someone who in other stances would be considered undesirable. So the disciples are learning that they, like the Good Samaritan, must show neighborly compassion to anyone that they come across on this journey. And then following Jesus' visit to Martha's house, the narrative continues with another incident in which a friend refuses hospitality to a friend in need. So from all of this, we see that hospitality is very important in Luke, specifically sharing meals with people. In the world of Luke, hospitality is multidimensional and is about radical welcome and inclusion and the love of God being extended through tangible acts. So these women, they knew all of this in the back of their mind, that hospitality was not just something that was nice to do, but it was expected of them. So when Jesus comes to their house, it says that Martha welcomed him. And she does what we would expect her to do, the hostess with the mostest. She gets to the kitchen, she starts preparing a meal for him, and apparently this means that Martha did not have any servants in her home, because of course there's always more context than we read about in this passage. So at this time in the Jewish context, women were not allowed to serve men that came to their house unless there were no servants present. So Luke is doing a really interesting thing in this passage. The word that is used for her many tasks or the things that she was distracted by is the word for service, the same word that we use for deacon, um, which just means a minister of Christ. So Martha, though she was distracted and though she was busy with many things, she was sacrificing herself and acting as a servant for the Lord in her midst. In any other scenario at the time, it would have been Mary who was in the wrong here. Mary who doesn't jump to answer the door. Mary who doesn't jump to go into the kitchen to get the meal ready, to go and get a room ready for Jesus to stay. Mary simply stays at the feet of Jesus, leaving her sister to do all of the work. But as always, Jesus does what Jesus always does, and there's a great reversal of something we don't expect And Mary is the one commended for doing the one thing that really matters. I wonder how this makes you feel. Consider, if Jesus came to your door today and said, don't worry about all the stuff you need to do between now and Christmas. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about the presents. Don't worry about the food. Don't worry about cleaning anything. Just sit here with me and just don't worry about anything. 
I mean, really think about how that is not very realistic, right? We have things that we must do to get to to get to that point. We have things that we must do just for daily life, things that we have to do. I mean, and even if you are a youth here this morning, think about if you just decided you were just going to sit and not worry about your classes anymore. If final season coming up and you said, I don't need to study, I'm just going to sit here, me and Jesus, it's going to be fine. My tests are just going to finish themselves. My papers will write themselves. It's just not realistic, right? So something important to know about this is that Jesus isn't making a judgment against Martha for doing what she's doing. He's trying to just redirect her and help her to see that there are also more important things that she can do at the same time. Jesus knows and agrees that what Martha is doing is the good, noble, expected thing, but she was so engrossed with her good intentions, with her to-do list, with the things that she felt she had to do that were more important than anything else, that she was missing the chance to connect with Jesus in her midst. She missed an opportunity to be refueled and recharged from being around him. Jesus came to her house not to be served, but to teach her about what it means in the kingdom of God, what is the most important thing. I couldn't help but think about this common household item that I've got to grab. So, another question for you. Do you know what this is? It's a water bottle. Exactly. It's not a trick question. So, what is the purpose of a water bottle? Drink water. Yeah. So, if you know me or you've seen me around the church, you know that I always have this water bottle with me. And if I don't have this one, I have another one. And I'm constantly filling it back up because I drink a lot of water. I don't like to be without water. And it got me thinking about this story and this idea of Mary and Martha and how we really need a mixture of both. Because the thing is, when I run out of water in here, I put more water in it. In the same way, when my car runs out of gas, I I fill it up with gas. At the end of the day, when I'm tired and my body wants to go to sleep, I go to sleep. You know, we're so good at doing things that we need to do to fill ourselves back up with other things in life. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, sometimes we don't think about how we need that to be filled back up as well. You may have heard the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think about that with this situation. We're coming up to these holidays. We're coming up to a season where there is so much expected of us, so much that people assume will happen. And if you're constantly pouring out, you're constantly giving to others and pushing and doing, eventually you're going to have no more water and you're going to be very thirsty. So what do you do? You set the cup down and you let it be filled up with water again. And it really is the same with our spiritual lives. Like Mary, we need to have those set-apart times where we sit and we listen, we absorb, we take in, rather than giving and putting out. We, all, we know all too well what it means to be like Martha, to go and to go and to go. But I think there's more that we can learn from Mary in this story, who knew what was expected and still chose to spend that intentional time with Jesus at the same time. Over the last few months, I have noticed that my metaphorical spiritual cup has been running a little dry. And this is odd to me. I couldn't quite figure out what it is because there wasn't 
a particular event that happened or anything I could pinpoint. But then it hit me. Everything is kind of going back to normal. You know, we, we're back in person. We don't have to wear masks anymore. We have donuts. We have youth involved in the service. We've got a choir. Things have really, really ramped back up. We're having Bible studies again. We're having small groups, Sunday school. And then there's all the other stuff apart from the church, you know, familial obligations, things that we're all trying to catch up on that we've missed in the last year and a half. And I think my life has just felt very full lately. And I've been craving the simplicity that we had during the pandemic a little bit. And this is very odd. I don't know how to really describe it, but I wonder if some of you have felt the same. Perhaps you kind of liked having a little extra time at home, a little more silence in your life, a little more space, a little more time to go for walks outside in nature. I had puzzles all over my table that I borrowed from Joanne Smith. I really got into puzzles. And I just haven't made the time or made the space or found it in the midst of all the other full good things that are going on. So I was really happy when this weekend rolled around. I've shared before that Mike and I go on an annual camping trip with some of our friends from Huntsville, and we just got back from our sixth annual camping trip. This began six years ago at a primitive campsite in Georgia. It was so primitive, in fact, that we canoed out to our patch of land. So not only, you know, we had to canoe to it, um, we'd put all of our food, the fire, the tent, the, you know, all, all the things that we would need for two days, we had to put in these canoes and paddle over, hoping that nothing got wet or fell overboard. And then when we got out there, I mean, we were just out there for two days. You know, there was no turning back once we got to this campsite. So we set up our tents and we cooked over the fire and fell asleep under the stars, woke up with the sun, you know, felt it was a very grounding experience. But then the next year, we thought, you know, that was really neat, but it would be better maybe if we didn't have to canoe to our campsite. Maybe we should just pitch the tent on some regular land that we don't have to swim to. So we did that the next year. And then the next year, we thought, well, would it be that crazy to rent a cabin? You know, <laughs> still in the woods, still with a fire inside, you know, like a fireplace with indoor plumbing, and, you know, once we rented a cabin, we haven't gone back to the tents. I don't, I don't think we ever will. Our camping trip has really evolved over time. You know, last year we went to a, a condo in Pensacola. Um, this weekend we went to a beautiful Airbnb on Lake Martin. I mean, we, you know, there's no way we could ever go back to a tent after all this is what I mean. It has evolved. But you know, the only requirement really that we found that's important about this camping trip is that we're all together. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter what we're wearing. It doesn't matter what time it is. It just matters that we can all come together and catch up on this annual camping trip. These trips truly refill my cup mentally and spiritually. And as much as I would love to stay in the mountains all the time or to stay at that beautiful Airbnb on Lake Martin all the time, we all know that we have to come back to the realities of being an adult, of being a human even. You don't even have to be an adult to know that. 
We can't hide away forever. We can't rest forever because we have been called to do the good and hard work of participating with God in bringing about the redemption of creation. Many times in scripture, we are reminded of this. We are told we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We are told to be an example to the believers in our speech, in our conduct, in our faith, our love, our purity. We are told to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. But we have to remember our why in the midst of all that. You cannot pour from an empty cup. We have to connect back to God and to remember that we have been called to something bigger, something greater than ourselves, but we're not supposed to do it alone. We need those moments to recharge so that we are fueled and we can continue doing these things. I really believe that to live out the lives that God has called us to, we need a little bit of Martha and a little bit of Mary. We need to be hospitable and prepared and loving and nurturing to those people around us while not overlooking the presence of God in our midst. When we exclusively pour out, we drain ourselves and may find ourselves resentful that no one is helping us. Like Mary, we must make space in our minds and schedules to reconnect with God so that we can be reignited for our work in the world. In closing, I want to share a poem with you. It's called Fire, and it's printed in your bulletin. I love this poem and think it speaks so well to our need for both. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs, a breathing space. Too much of a good thing, too many logs packed in too tight, can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between as much as to the wood. When we are able to build open spaces in the same way we have learned to pile on the logs, then we can come to see how it is fuel and the absence of fuel together that make fire possible. We only need to lay a log lightly from time to time. A fire grows simply because the space is there, with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. As we quickly approach the holiday season and all that it will hold, I encourage you to stay connected to God in the midst of the hustle and bustle. And I encourage you not to become too wrapped up and what is expected of you, and in what you have to do, that you miss those sweet moments with God and your loved ones who will be around you. Amen.